he's leading that we're going to finish by like 10 past 11 today. And you can all, you can all go home early and have lunch. Um, so, yeah, there we go. Almost done. Almost done. Um, so, I mean, in a, in a matter of transparency here, I was um, actually going to speak on something different. And I was praying um, last night and this morning. And I spoke yesterday for the first time ever at a wedding. Um, and I'm going to use in a, a, a bit more detail on that, that message because I feel like that's what God wants to talk about. And it's encouraging when you kind of decide to talk about something different and then the worship aligns with the subjects you're going to talk about. That's always a nice confirmation because otherwise it's a bit nerve-wracking. Um, but it's good. Um, so at, at the wedding, um, I was given a passage. It was for Samantha and James. Um, and they gave a passage they wanted me to speak on. Um, I was joking that... Um, that they asked me to speak because I'm a clear, you know, marriage expert. So they wanted someone with wisdom um, to talk about marriage and love um, and how to love a woman. Um, that sounded really weird, didn't it? <laughs> if you can remember everything I said, apart from that last love a woman bit, that would be great. Because it wasn't what I meant to say, okay? <laughs> oh, good start. It's a good start. Let's, let's read the Bible. Um, so we're, this is from 1 John 4, um, 15 to 19. That's 1 John 4, 15 uh, to 19. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation as well. Um, and that's all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. And um, the more I read that passage and the more we sing about love and God's perfect love and all these kind of things, um, and the more research I've done on it, I've realized how difficult it really is to understand what God's love is. I took a, I took a quick snapshot of the song we sang earlier. And it said, uh, love so undeniable I can hardly speak. And as you call me deeper into love, love, love. And um, I don't know, if, I've had this experience before, but I don't know if you have where you're praying or you've gone through an experience of God and you kind of can't comprehend it, you can't speak about it, and you feel a bit emotional. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I'm going to try and, ex- we're going to try and ex- understand what love is and what it means. Because the, we, we often think, you know, do I deserve God's love? Um, why, is, why do I have hard times in my life if God really loves me? So does he really love me because this happened to me, I'm sick or someone I know died or I'm going through this horrible period? Or maybe we know we have people that we love or we trust, um, like family, who have hurt us badly and we have bad experiences of love. Um, so what does it mean then when the Bible says that God is love? What does that mean? God is love. And... Um, 
the thing, and I know some of you will probably know this because of the different languages of love, different words used for love, but in the English language, love is a pretty basic word. Like I say, oh, I love you. Um, I love, what's that? I love pizza. Was that a comment? I mean, <laughs> thanks, Mark. Now making me conscious. I love avocado, actually. Thank you very much. Um, and we use the word love for so many different things. Like we love our children, our families. We love all these things. And then we love sports and we love TV shows and we love everything. Love, 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 love. And it kind of loses its meanings. When we hear that God is love or closer into love, 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 we're like, what does love even actually mean at this point? Because it's such a, a, a stretched word in our vocabulary. Um, whereas in the Greek, they have different words for love. So they have different, different definitions for, for what the word love is. So they have, uh, they have philia, which is brotherly love. Right, right. That kind of love, do you know what I mean? Not like, oh, I love you. It's like, I, lo I love you. You know what I mean? If you say you, it's a bit too direct. But if you say, love you, then it's a little bit more brotherly love. Uh, a fellatio, which is self-love. But the love that the Bible talks about when it says God is love and when... when um, when God loves us and we love God is the agape love. And that's the unconditional love that transcends and persists regardless of circumstance. That's the unconditional love that transcends and persists regardless of circumstance. So it's not the other two. It's not the brotherly love. It's not the kind of love we have when we love pizza or when we love sports or when we love Spain more than Portugal. It's not any of these kind of things. It's just a, a very simple... Eliezer missed that dig at him there. I said that at him and he just did totally miss that. <laughs> Um, but it's that unconditional love that, that impacts us regardless of, of circumstance. So that's what God is. God is that kind of agape love. It's not just a casual version of the word love. It's a real powerful meaning of the word love. So when we talk about God is love and God loves us and all these things, um, it doesn't mean that life is going to be easy all the time. You know when you watch like a film and, they, and, the, and the couple get together and they love each other and they walk off into the sunset and they have a life of happily love ever after. Love doesn't mean that your life is going to be perfect. In fact, the Bible always, always tells us that, that we're going to suffer like Jesus suffered in many ways. Like that's, that's a promise in the Bible. So if you're going through a tough time right now, let me say this to you. God loves you. So if you're going through a tough time right now in this very situation that you don't understand, you can't explain, you don't know why it's happening, you don't know what's wrong with you or wrong with somebody else or what, why that thing is going on, God loves you. That doesn't mean that you've done something that means God doesn't love you anymore. So what does it mean when it says... God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. What does it actually mean to live in God or to live in love because God is love? So what does it mean to live in love? And what does it mean to live in God? And I think that just means pronouncing him as our Lord and Saviour, having faith in him as our Saviour, and following him. Because the more that we follow love, more we follow God, it's the same thing. The more that we follow Him, the more that we're going to grow and understand Him. You look at what God did. 
Look at how God, it said in the Bible, God so loved the world, he sent his only son, right? And then his only son came down and sacrificed his life to save us. And we sit here in this church building around what we would call nice people. And we go, oh, that's really nice. But you put yourself in Jesus, even the last, the last steps he took before he was on the cross. He was wearing a crown of thorns, wasn't he? He was being stoned. He was being shouted at. He was being abused. And he loved them so much that he died for those people. Like he didn't just die for us in this room of nice people, in quote marks. He died for the people throwing things at him. He died for the people shouting things at him. He died for all those people. That's agape love. Like unconditional. Like we can say we unconditionally love someone, unconditionally love our children, but there are conditions to our love for each other. Well, 100%. There's always conditions in our love. But that love that Jesus had and God's had for us is unconditional. And just the fact that, imagine the last steps that Jesus took before he showed us that last act of unconditional love. People were abusing him. They were gambling for his clothes at the front. And they treated him like a criminal, like a, like a, like a dirty criminal, like below the low. And they, had, they completely tore his name apart. And he had his family crying in the, you know, had people crying for him in the crowd. He would have seen those people crying for him, and he still loved those people enough to die for them. You know that, you know when, um, when they decided to kill Jesus, and it was Barabbas and Jesus, and then Pontius Pilate asked the crowd who they should execute. Should they execute Barabbas, or should they execute Jesus? And I heard someone speak on this once and talked about this thing. Because we always think that Barabbas is a really bad person, right? Because he's the murderer. So there was the murderer, Barabbas, and there was the, the saviour, Jesus, who was breaking all the rules, saying he's the saviour, and they, they were saying that he was like a heretic and all these kind of things. And the crowd shouted to save Barabbas, the murderer, the convicted killer, and kill Jesus. And Pontius Pilate listened to the crowd, and they cut Barabbas' chains off and let him go free. And Barabbas would be laughing We'll be mocking the fact that Jesus was going to die. And we always think about this Barabbas as this really awful character. But actually, in that story, we're, we are more like Barabbas than Jesus in that story. Like, Jesus sacrificed so we could have our chains cut off free, regardless if we're going to turn around or not and say, I love you, I have faith in you. Jesus made that decision before um, we made any commitment to him. So all the people who were shouting to kill Jesus and save Barabbas, the murderer, and then, mur and then the murderer had his chains broken free because of the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to make. We always think Barabbas is a bad person. Pontius Pilate is a bad person. Actually, if you really think about it, we are more like Barabbas than we are like Jesus. So how powerful is Jesus' love for us? Is that a little bit more clear about his love? Agape love, unconditional love. They were putting all the conditions in place for Jesus not to love them. You know, if I said something mean to, if I said something mean to you, or really, you know, when someone says like a snarky comment. Snarky is the worst comment. Yeah, Eliezer has nodded, don't he? Yeah. When someone says a snarky comment, like a really just a really kind of rude undertone comment, they don't really say it loudly enough. But they, you hear it say, and you go, "Oh, that's really horrible." Oh, I would like to punch you in the face. <laughs> you know. That's, that's, my, that's my initial reaction. I wouldn't necessarily punch I've actually never punched anyone in the face before because I'm too gentle. But, um, but that kind of, that, even something so simple as that makes us angry. 
I'm not saying that Jesus was happy being shouted at and being mocked and being abused and being physically tortured, but he overlooked that. He overlooked those conditions because his love was unconditional. Agape love, it was unconditional. I'm trying to hammer home that point of the kind of love that Jesus had because it's really hard for us to then really picture it where we're sat in this room where we've got tea and coffee, we've got running water and running toilets. Imagine the kind of pain that Jesus was in before he got crucified. Who's ever had a paper cut? It's like, ah, hurts, doesn't it? I remember watching Braveheart thinking I'd be great as a, as a knight. Do you know what I mean? I would, I would take everybody on with a sword. And then I had a paper cut once. And I was in... <laughs> And I was, no, it wasn't even a paper cut. It wasn't even that. I was chopping something, and Ash remembers this, and I cut, like, the little tip, the very little tip of skin, no bone, just skin on my finger. And all my days, I was so dramatic. I almost fainted. <laughs> I, had to, I, had to wrap, I had to wrap it up. I couldn't control myself. I was, like, sitting down. Ash was like, you okay? I was like, I'll make it. I'm fine. I'm fine. Just don't worry about me. I'm fine. And I was, it, was, it was awful. So, really, we find it very difficult to put ourselves in the position of those people because I did realise, sitting there, like, I would not be a good knight. I would definitely be a monk. I mean, back in them days, I would have taken a different path. Um, but just imagine the pain, the excruciating emotional and also physical pain that Jesus went through to make the sacrifice that he made for us. That's the love that God has for us. That's the love that God has for us. So in some ways, if you're sitting here now and we feel like no one loves us in, on earth, you've got the love of God over your life. That that is more unconditional than anything we've ever experienced. So then when we put our faith in him and we follow him, and we're talking about I'm a child of God, we're singing that earlier, I'm a child of God, we put our faith in him, the Bible tells us that we become adopted into his family, so we become children of God. That's why we sing that song, because we're children of God when we put our faith in him and follow him. So... We do that, we put our faith in him, and we follow him, and we try and live like Jesus did on this earth. That Bible verse was talking about it, as we live like Jesus here in the world, and we do our very best to emulate what Jesus was like. And we do the very best we can to trust in the love that God has for us. And we do the very best to be obedient to what God is asking us to do. The more we do that, the more we live like Jesus, the more we understand his love, and the more we understand love, and the more our love grows. Because we're following someone who was amazing at love. Someone who is love. And the thing that I really wanted to kind of put home um, in this message today, and what, when, when, I was, when I put down my notes for what I want to talk about, is, is, a, is evangelism through love. Is helping other people to have access to Jesus by showing love. Because the thing that really strikes me at the end of that passage I read, he says, we love each other because he loved us first. We love each other because he loved us first. And the Bible is full of Jesus and God being the leader because he doesn't stand behind with a whip saying, love. He sent his son to come and die for us and his son then sacrificed his life for us. He went first. He loved us first. And imagine in our lives and in our relationships, in our friendships, in our enemies, in our work situations, in all these hidden 
dark pains and anguish that we have in our life if we loved first. Imagine the power behind loving first. An unconditional agape love first. It is so difficult to think about how you can do this. Because if you think about something that's happened in your life or someone that you're not very close to or someone that hurt you deeply, if you were to show them love first in something just small, I'm trying to think of an example. You sent them flowers. You said, I'm sorry for that thing I'd said, I'd said 10 years ago. I just want you to know that I love you. Although it's a small thing, it can make a massive impact in somebody's life because you don't know what's going on in their life. And what Jesus did and what God did was love first. And I wanted to challenge us to look at ourselves, look inwardly at ourselves, and think, do we ever love first in our life? Do we ever do that agape, unconditional love? And that's not a love with one hand and a receiving hand out on the other side. That's giving love with not expecting anything in return and doing our very, very best to give something that is precious and, and, and loving and nice without wanting it in return. You know, in the UK, um, when you have a birthday, you get birthday cards from family or presents from family and aunties and uncles you don't really ever speak to. And if they don't get a thank you phone call, oh my goodness, you have done something awful. And my mum phones me up and she's like, where's? <laughs> Scottish. I was like, did you phone Susie? I'm like, oh no, I'll do it, I'll do it. And then she'll text me the next week. She's like, did you phone Susie? And, um, and eventually I will phone my Susie. I'm, I'm so sorry, I'm so late. But thank you so much for the gift. Really love it. And I love you. Thank you very much. Let's do this next year. Because <laughs> I, do, I do appreciate the gift, genuinely. But we are trained to expect a level of politeness that when we give someone anything, any kind of love, that they acknowledge it. Oh, after you. And then if they don't say thank you, you go, you're welcome. <laughs> you know? It's like in every, every layer of our culture, we're expecting some sort of response back that means, oh, they appreciated my nice doing there. But imagine if we put love first and we didn't even expect love back. And we were bold enough to do something like what Jesus did and love despite not being loved. And I remember um, served when I used to work at Pizza Hut. What a job that was. And I was the, the salad chef. So I had to wear like, I had to wear like a white button-up um, chef coat. Because I was a salad chef. And I wore a hat, like a little, um, a little like, a, like a Turkish kind of hat, you know what I mean? And then um, I would, my job was to go and fill up the salad bar in Pizza Hut. And it was the worst job ever had in my life. Not because it was hard work, it was just demoralizing because you'd get this big tub of mayonnaise out, which is disgusting. When you see mayonnaise in a big tub, you never want to touch it. Like, I do still eat mayonnaise. But. Um, and you fill up the mayonnaise and you put the salad in the salad bar and then you kind of make it all look neat and you wipe around it. And then you put the bacon bits, all oh my days, bacon bits are like tiny little granules, like mustard seeds, keeping it religious. Little bacon bits, you might like them, I hate them, because people, what they do is, you have a metal spoon and a little tub of bacon bits, and they'll go, I'm going to put some bacon bits onto my plate. I'm an adult, I have some dexterity, I can pick up a spoon and put bacon bits on my plate, so you would think. <laughs> but they would go in like this, and they'll pick up the bacon bits, 
and put on a plate and then 59 little bacon bits will shatter across <laughs> your salad bar into the mayonnaise, into the Thousand Island sauce, into the ketchup. And I would go there as salad chef and on my job I would pick out the bacon bits. <laughs> yeah. And then you go back. So you kind of like, it was satisfying the first time you did it because you made it nice and the salad bar looks beautiful. You go away to put the mayonnaise back, come back again. Some other guy has gone for some bacon bits like this. And then, and the thing is, they'll be, doing, they'll be taking salad while you're doing it. So you'll be doing the next to them and you'll watch them like pick up lettuce like this with tongs and kind of drop 59 little bits of lettuce along the way to the next bit. And I just look at them like, don't worry. No, no, I'll get it. I'll get it. And that, for me, I remember complaining to my dad about that. And my dad would always say things like, oh, you've got to love them. You've got to love them anyway. You've got to love them. And do you know how hard that is? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Do you know how hard that is? After you've literally got, like, mayonnaise in your fingers, and you just wipe it off, and you come back out again, and then you've got someone else who's, like, eating... There wasn't just bacon bits. There was these crispy things. It was a bad time. I don't want to go into it anymore. <laughs> but that simple, simple example of trying to show love, just to do the very best I could do to the salad bar in that situation was very difficult. I didn't want them, it's so stupid, but I didn't want them to have a nice salad bar because they annoyed me. <laughs> you know, I'm right there next to them. It's like, almost like having your car clean and someone throwing mud at you at the same time. Do you know what I mean? And, um, and that's a silly example and I'm being silly. But just imagine the kind of, how impactful was Jesus' sacrifice for us? And how impactful could it be if all of us decided to put our desires behind for a second and we just unconditionally, the agape kind of love, decided to bless somebody else without wanting anything back in our life? And I would go so far to say that if any of you have any relationship issues with family members stretching back, if you were to start doing something like that, something small, you have no idea the impact that could have to that, that whole relationship. Because we often sit in our little silos waiting for them to make the first move. Waiting for somebody to come over to us to say sorry. Waiting for somebody to come over to us to make, make the, 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 men's be, the wounds be healed. And we always wait for those different things. But wonder if we put love first and do what God did and love somebody else first.